Start and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Welcome to a special evergreen edition of the Steve Day Show. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. If you're watching this, it's because we're not here live today, but we wanted to make sure to bring you some original content nevertheless, and we will do so here in a moment. First, though, let us know what you think about what we think. You can do so by emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Now, in terms of contacting us on social media, by the time you watch this, it could be later this year, it could be next year, it could be the year after. We could be banned from almost all these platforms, all right? So, but for now, <clears throat> because let's say we are, won't it be fun in the future to look back on a simpler time? Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Steve Dace. Look for that name as well on MeWe, Parlor and Gab. And then at Steve Dace Show on Getter and Twitter. And then look for Steve Dace on Truth Social. By the time you're watching this, that probably will exist and will probably be the place that most of us are relegated to after we're all banned, okay? Uh, but the email should remain, it's been here from the beginning, it should be here till the end, steve at stevedace.com. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Well, you know, it is always my distinct honor and privilege and pleasure to tell you about Built Bar because it is a phenomenal product. It is the greatest protein bar ever created. It competes from a taste standpoint with a lot of the candy bars that are out there, all covered in real chocolate. So many great flavors to choose from. Too many to even talk about in the time we have here. And they're loaded with flavor and protein, not loaded with carbs, calories, and sugars. If you want to try it now or try it again, use my last name, Dace, as your promo code, D-E-A-C-E, to get 15% off your first or next order, uh, or next next order, when you go to built.com. B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar. 15% off with my last name, Dace, as your promo code. When you go to Built.com for Built Bar, you will not regret it. Promo code Dace, D-E-A-C-E, for 15% off when you go to Built.com. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well. Ready to go. You guys like doing these evergreens? Some of them. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because my next question is going to be, which one don't you like, (laughs) right? I, I kind of like when we get a chance to do like big thematic shows like this, right? Well, I really, when they, the first batch that we did aired, I was really impressed with how well received they yeah. were. Yeah. You mean when Aaron went on his yeah, uh, yeah. honeymoon back in the day? Yeah. And people loved them. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot of good feedback about those for sure. So today we're going to talk about a piece that was written uh, back at the end of 2021 over at The Federalist. And it will be fascinating to see, because by the time we are taping this, this thing was written about, what, five or six months ago. Mm-hmm. So by the time, we're, we're, it's already dated by the time we're talking about it. It could be even more so dated by the time you're watching it. Well, then, Steve, why are you covering it? Let's say you don't watch this episode for a year. A year and a half. I think it would be very instructive to listen to this as if it is in real time to go back and look at how much ground was lost culturally on numerous topics in that interim 
for a perspective, if nothing else. Because that's what we're going to be talking about today. The title of this piece is, you know, 13 things that happened in 2021 that I would have never believed five years ago. All right, so 13 things that happened in 2021 that I never would have believed five years ago. Now imagine you're listening or watching this in 2023, 2024, and I'm going to guess at least some of this is going to sound kind of trite, like, wow, I wish we could go back to that day and age, right? I, I go back and look at the stuff that would, you know, have me so worked up doing a nighttime show for Salem from 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. I'd be so worked up that I, I couldn't get to bed when I got home, you know? And it all just seems rather trite compared to the conversations we're having today, right? It does, but just for a frame of reference there, five years ago is 2016. And you remember... Well, 2017 I, now, but 2016 from yeah, when this was yes. written, yes. I remember what I said, though. It Next year's going to be worse. So what's the over-under on this is basically what I'm asking. Every year, the deceleration, the, de- the devolution has gotten worse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I remember <clears throat> listening to the show before I started working here. And uh, segment that Rebecca used to have that I continued for a little while. Uh, this week's sign of the apocalypse or this week's sign the apocalypse is upon us. It's upon us, yeah. That's Tuesday now. That's just <laughs> I know a day that ends with why. Wouldn't it be something to go back if those archives are available somewhere and go back and listen to Russia's shows in the early to mid 90s about the Clintons and the Clinton era and how alarmed we were, how worked up we got. I mean, this, you know, when Aaron was first born, you and I are just beginning to cut our teeth politically, right? And the stuff that got us all worked up, listen to Rush every day, go buy every book, and and have the benefit of historical hindsight of we would kill to go back and live in those days, right? Well, but take them even more seriously because the reason we took them seriously at all, those of us who really could see forward, is Steve, you uh, doing it as much as anybody else is because you projected this is exactly where we were going to be in some fashion. You could not continue to live by those lies that we lived at back then and not end up here. Hmm. Well, let us begin because I think this very first one, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way to the top. This very first one, I think, speaks volumes. All right, so 13 things that happened in 2021 that the author over at The Federalist, Eleanor Barton, says she would have never believed could have occurred five years ago. So Todd is right, Christmas of 2016 at the time, if we're lining up uh, when this was written. Number the, number 13 at the bottom of the list is losing our lead in technology and science in the world. She would have never believed that that was possible. And yet, here we are. We see our enemies introducing technology as she itemizes that we don't have or we didn't know that they had. Here's why I think this is fascinating that we're going to start here. What science? Can you lose your lead in something you cannot define? I mean, what is it? Do we know what science is? It's whatever Anthony Fauci says it is. Or the CDC or Pfizer or Moderna. I... And who knows where all this stuff is by the time you guys watch this. 
Likely, Republicans will have taken control of Congress in the 2022 midterms. Who knows if there was any form of investigation or, or you know, retribution or reckoning on any level. There's no way of knowing. But shortly before we recorded this, that's why I think watching these things in the rears is fascinating. Okay. Uh, shortly before recording this, I was exchanging text with my mama. And she was reacting to an interview that I sent her last night uh, done by the High Wire. That's Del Bigtree's outfit. And it was an interview that he did with a WHO affiliated regulator and whistleblower, turn, turn whistleblower. She used to be one of their chief regulators. Uh, and she works for the Center for Evidence-Based Medicine in the UK. That's Oxford, guys. Okay. And she started looking at Pierre Corey, uh, who is, was one of the most vocal advocates of ivermectin as an effective treatment for COVID during the, the, the pandemic of a few years ago. Um, and she looked at his data and she put it through all the WHO protocol tests of data that she utilizes professionally and has for many years and saw that it all lined up and that this was a very promising treatment. And she and this was back in late 2020, I think December of 2020. And so she starts calling up her contacts at the WHO. And at first they're like, one in particular is like, oh yeah, this is great data. Let's get on this. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just totally starts slow playing it. And during the course of this story, you she recorded a couple of the Zoom calls she had with one of the lead uh, regulators at the World Health Organization. And it's clear the dude's lying his ass off. You can just tell from his body language, right? And and there's this story is just Third Reich levels of evil. He even admits to her. He knows that, you know, not verifying this medicine could kill 15,000 people in the world every single day the lo- that this goes on. Okay. And so my mom sends me a text right before we started testing or, or taping this. And she's like, what's the strategy for this? Why, why did they do this? I, and, you know, keep in mind, remember my mom is a retired nurse and worked for decades in the healthcare system. And I said, mama, if it was, th- these conversations all took place in late 2020 before the jabs hit the market. Under FDA guidelines, and I would assume this is probably true in a lot of other Western countries to some extent too, if there is already proven and effective treatment on the market, then there's no point to an emergency authorization for their crappy jabs that don't work and caused a whole bunch of side effects. So that's, that's, that's big pharma's motivation. Big government's motivation is without those jabs, they cannot use those things to then... Uh, take away your bodily autonomy so that you're a ward of the state and under their control so that they don't tell you what you're going to put into your body, not you. And this is just good old-fashioned fascism where the elites in the public and private sector working together. For the last few years, that has been science. And so this very first one, we lost ground in something that in much of the West simply does not exist you want to know what here's what science when it when it when it's practiced what it looks like again going back to the times in which we're taping this we were seeing record prices per barrel for oil at this point in time um elon musk who of course has made billions become arguably the richest man in the world perfecting what electric cars right okay and the tesla And he's out there advocating, hey, 
you know, we have to start drilling again for our own gas and oil. I mean, I'm a I'm an alternative fuels guy. I mean, I'm the I'm I'm the world's biggest electric car magnet. I'm the J.P. Morgan. He really is the J.P. Morgan of electric vehicles. And he's out there saying, but the objective data shows we're going to drown as a culture if we don't actually have more of our own fuels, carbon or otherwise, available. See, that's objective science. That's a look at objective data, facts, and you let them, the facts on the ground of the scientific method and proof, determine for you what your course of action is. You don't determine what your course of action is, and then because I have the power and the guns and the military and the cops, I call it science. But that is what science is today. And so since that's really just another form of authoritarianism, then it's perfectly justified that China has surpassed us in it because that's kind of their jam. Thoughts? Well, already I'm... That's why I was curious about what the over-under. I, I could I, I could have believed this five years ago. Uh, again, I have a unique uh, perspective because of what I think about pharma in general before we ever uh, heard of COVID. But, but also in terms of uh, our educational priorities, there, there was no way we were going to, like I told you, not be able to tell the difference between a boy and a girl. And we were having these conversations back then and stay front and center on the issues of science. Yeah. When it comes to technology too, and how it's utilized in the West, specifically in the United States, it invokes Romans one to me, inventing new ways to do evil. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a a meme about um, expectations for the year 2020, flying cars, clean air, beautiful cities. That's what we expected. What we got was a pregnant man emoji on our iPhone. <laughs> and yeah. that's that kind of sums up those thoughts. I mean, this 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 phone that we have in all of our pockets has more computing power than all of the electronic equipment combined on some of the original space shuttles and rockets that reached the moon. Mm. Yet the way that they are utilized en masse in the United States is, well, you can look up porn really fast on that phone. You can do all forms of evil from that phone. Of course, technology is always neutral. And this is talking about science. I get that. But technology should be a branch of science. Um, Increasingly, the neutral side and how you use it is being used for evil. One more example. If you're capable of doing surgery... You are some of the elite of the elite of the elite of the elite, specifically like plastic surgery and things like that. You are really skilled at what you do. Now, plastic surgery in and of itself, unless it's done to repair something, it's kind of frivolous. Who are all of the surgeons doing the gender reassignment meatball surgery where they are literally, would you like me to explain what what goes on in some of these surgeries? These are men of science, or women maybe, but men of science who have been training for probably decades to do surgery. You trust them to put you out, to take a knife to you, and they can repair you. But some of these men decided, eh, that's not good enough. I'm going to lop off uh, somebody's penis and their testicles, and then I'm going to do a meatball surgery and create a fake vagina for them. That's another indication of this as well. So the technology that we do have stemming out of the sciences 
increasingly being used for evil purposes. Which brings us to number 12 on this list. And we have the benefit of some hindsight here because this was written in late 2021. Major scientific advances not celebrated. Now, I'm just going to read this one and let you guys react. Every year brings some surprises and new scientific advances, but this year, living in a time of such great division in society, these breakthroughs were not universally celebrated. Surely the greatest impact of science this year was the widespread rollout of COVID-19 vaccines. Thankfully, the vaccines have saved countless lives. How do we know that? Let's stop right there. More people died of covid in 2021 with vaccines than did in 2020 without them. So what is the proof that they saved countless lives? Frankly, what is the proof they saved any lives? What is the proof? If I set you out to prove that they saved lives, what data would you come up with that shows that they did? I, I, you'd start with excess mortality, right? Mm-hmm. You'd start with then, spe- you'd specify COVID mortality, right? Mm-hmm. You'd be on the upside down of both of those from the outset. So before we even got to an in-depth data yes. analysis, before we even ran algorithms, the whole numbers, the whole raw numbers you'd start with in order to formulate those, okay? The, the two building blocks yes. of that data set would be excess mortality and COVID mortality. You'd be upside down on them both before you even started the, the meta-analysis, before you even got into the granular stuff that's too hard for most people. But many had hoped they would mean life could return to normal. Instead, lockdowns and mask mandates continue and vaccines have become yet another point of division with the vaccinated pitted against the unvaccinated. A huge portion of the world's population has been willing to get the jab and trust relatively new messenger RNA vaccines. But some have been doubtful and resisted coercion and mandates as they have made their own judgments about natural immunity and risk. Made their own judgments. There's data. This, who made is, their own judgments. Who is this? Eleanor Barton is her name. Okay. See, this This is in what publication? The Federalist. Yes. The Federalist, in terms of being skeptical of issues, is second to none in mm-hmm. our side, right? Mm-hmm. And still, this is there. What have I told you? The magical power of vaccines. There is no greater cult in the world. When this kind of thinking gets even into that production, good grief. Now, this paragraph is good. Doubts have been have been sown because the vaccines don't completely prevent infection or transmission. They don't actually prevent it at all. It's not that they don't completely do so. They really don't even, I mean, the, the efficacy is, is, is in the red on that too, okay? But also because the public has lost faith in science as it was politicized by scientists, the administration, bureaucrats, the media, and big tech from discussions of the origins of COVID to its treatment and prevention. That's entirely, absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Surely we could at least joyfully celebrate science when the longtime human dream of private space travel became more of a reality in 2021. Three billionaires made expeditions to this frontier. It was a massive milestone, but was criticized by some as a waste of money and an ego trip. So I think the point of this is, even when there are objective scientific breakthroughs, society is so divided, culture is so divided in the West here and in the States as an extension thereof that we still can't celebrate it. I'm going to need a lot more from this list going forward. This is I'm already on this opposite side of her on two of these. I of course I could have foreseen this. I did. This is you you can't you, you led with the vaccines on this and and you wrote this at the end of 2021. There was ample evidence. 
Now, you August 6th of 2021, yeah. CDC director went on CNN and said yes. that was Delta before we even got to Omicron, yes. that the vaccines no longer pre- uh, prevent transmission on August 6th, which would have been about four months before this was written. Yeah. She believes in unicorns and there's nothing you can say to convince her that I'm not going to believe in that unicorn. It's 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 ridiculous. What is it going to take? Where would you yet be struck? Um. We're doing these in reverse order. I'm not sure how she wrote that paragraph and then wrote the next one. Oh, okay. It gets better. St- well, well okay. the, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know how she wrote number 12. And, and then wrote, wrote 13, 13 as a follow-up? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see yeah. what you're saying. All right, number 11. COVID restrictions continue and some increase. Initially sold as two weeks to slow the spread, lockdowns, masks, and vaccine mandates continue. Two years since COVID-19 started, some U.S. cities such as Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C., are now segregating people from public places to penalize their independent assessment of their medical risks. Basically, I think she's saying she could not have foreseen five years ago we'd have full-fledged medical bioethical apartheid in America. I, I will agree with her on this one. Assuming... She is interpreting the level of risk accurately because that's what we get, that's the important thing to put into context here. That I, I, I knew people were sheep because of what I believed about vaccination. But I, I I did not believe that when it was clear already out of Italy, the demographics that this thing impacted and this if you were 65 or younger and in good health this was a bad flu at worst and that we would have accepted what we have accepted for two years i would agree with that aaron agreed as well yeah um you know even even in 2021 it was hard to see how the covid restrictions would just continue and metastasize but in case we, it was like, it was like a cosmic, are you really watching? Do you really understand what's going on here? It was like a, a, the full measure, the full Monty of, of where the elites are trying to take us. So I overall agree with that. Number 10, record debt and inflation. With record U.S. national debt, the money supply increased by more than a third In 18 months, the United States is experiencing the worst inflation in 40 years. Energy prices are up, and one of the bigger events of the year was in May when the main pipeline carrying gasoline to the East Coast was shut down due to a cyber attack. I had forgotten about that story uh, that she mentions. But again, this was written in December of 2021. We're recording this at the end of the first quarter of 2022, so about three, four months later. Inflation has actually gotten worse. The cost of oil per barrel has already gotten, has absolutely gotten worse. It's doubled at the time we're recording this. It has doubled since Joe Biden took office. That's, is that bad? Considering it might be the most valuable substance Mm -hmm. on the entire planet and the price per barrel has doubled. Um, And we've gone into even more debt and printed off more money. I, I, I wish I could remember the exact stat, but there is a crazy stat out there. Have you guys heard this? about what percentage of money that's ever been printed in the U.S. money supply oh, has yeah. just been printed in the last few years. It's a, it's an obscene stat. It, it's 
of, of, I mean, it will just blow your mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is she on the mark here? No. No. No, I don't think so. Either. I would have believed that this would yeah. have happened five years ago. Yeah. Where was our Where was our responsible sense of spending? You mean, have we had balanced a, budgets back then? I can't yeah, believe we, we have a longer standing it? problem with record debt, and is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. What year was it when Clinton passed the balanced budget? Last two years he was in office, 98 so, and 99. Wow. So that actually happened in my lifetime. Or 99 I and 2000, I should say. I can't believe that. I really can't. Yeah, no, we didn't pay off any of the national debt, no. but we pal- we did pass. Ba- the budgets for those least, fiscal years were balanced. At least the debt can get bigger. For yeah, we didn't add to the debt, yeah. yes, but we, we did pass balanced budgets. So is she right if we combine the inflation with the debt? Because- we have no. not seen inflation like this in your lifetime. You and right. I were little kids the last time we saw something like this. So if you combine the two of them together, I mean, yeah, we've had record debt pretty much my entire life, all of Aaron's life. But record debt and inflation is not something we've had a lot of, uh, uh, together as Americans in modern times. Yeah, I, but I could have, if you told me five years ago, we're also on the road to record inflation, that, that wasn't crazy thinking. No, Not at all. They kind of go hand in hand, especially in this scenario. Number nine on her list. Asking athletes for advice. People turn to athletes and actors more and more for their advice and opinions, as many other societal leaders seem to have abdicated their duties to lead. Now, I... I mean, if you've... If you remember Ronald Reagan, and I mean, the Republican Party's last two, pre, or two of its last four people to win the presidency, one was an actor and the other was a reality TV star. Now, that's not all they were, but those were two of the things they were primarily known for, right? Okay, so I don't think consulting the opinions of actors is, or Hollywood stars is new. I do agree, though, caring a lot what athletes think about politics and then desiring them to give their opinions and forcing them to do so, provided, of course, it's of a particular viewpoint, that is relatively new. That was not something that was prevalent prior to Kaepernick, but that would have been five years before, within the five-year period, 2016 is when Kaepernick happened, September of 2016. So that would have been within the five-year period that she's alluding to. But that is still a relatively recent phenomenon. I mean, you and I are old enough to remember when Michael Jordan said Republicans buy sneakers too, right? Also, but five years ago, again, Donald Trump was just elected president. And he, yes, he was a a New York uh, real estate mogul, but he had been that for a long time. He became... Uh, the the zeitgeist happened though because of the uh, the apprentice yeah that was a show the apprentice, the apprentice yeah. yeah and so that's that's uh, pop culture he he was basically the the equivalent uh, of an actor again I'm I'm not persuaded by this I I could have absolutely believed this one five years ago um yeah five years ago was. 2016 so yeah Colin that was the beginning of Colin Kaepernick and that's when sports just the wokeification of sports just you found out what a Jamel Hill was yeah so I could have believed that five years ago well this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Moink did you know that a majority of U.S. pork production comes from one company that has Chinese ownership 
we having a lot of conversations these days about why are we funding our enemies? You don't have to do that anymore when it comes to your food. And they're not having supply chain issues over at Moink because we're talking farm to table with grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and more delivered straight to your door. And if you want to try some of the best meat in America right now, how about one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste with your order for free, but for a limited time. That's when you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve. M-O-I-N-K is how it is spelled. Again, get free filet mignon for a year with your order at moinkbox.com slash Steve. That's moinkbox.com slash Steve. All right. So, so far... You guys have dunked on her, on the author of this piece, for every single one of these. Yeah, except Almost. for one. Yeah. Except for one. Uh, this is a little, uh, this is our our naivete. It's a huge problem in our side's leadership, our, our comfort, our, our cruise control. I don't, I, I'm honestly a little bit shocked at this so far. Okay. Let's see if the trend continues here when we come back. Because it's a story, if it does, it's a story if it doesn't. If it's, it's a story, if it's kind of a little bit of both, because I think that's why I wanted to talk about this, because I think this tells us more about our own side than anything else, yeah. one way or the other. We'll do that when we return here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. the truth no matter where it leads the steve day show well poor uh, poor eleanor bartow who is the features editor at the federalist at least at the time we're recording this she still is 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 just getting uh, face planted here by todd and aaron's ruthless misogyny as we continue on with our evergreen edition of the steve day show we're looking at a piece that she wrote at the end of 2021 on 13 things that happened in 21, uh, 21 and that she would have never guessed would have happened five years ago. And just to give you guys, here's her bio, by the way. Features editor at The Federalist. She was an editor and investigative reporter at The Daily Caller. Those are some pretty good credentials, yeah. right? Editor-in-chief of the American Enterprise Institute's magazine, a reporter for Congressional Quarterly. Uh, she has written for The New York Times, The International Herald Tribune, Real Clear Investigations, The American Spectator, and others. She's been featured on Fox News Radio, NPR, WABC. She got the Fulbright Professional Grant in Journalism as a fellow with the Claremont Institute. We're friends with, we're friendly with them. Uh, and the National Review Institute. We're not friendly with them anymore. So, so she's she's worked both the more mainstream and the more corporate and the more radical side of conservative media. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so far when looking at her 13 things, losing our lead in technology and science in the world, um, that we are no longer capable of celebrating major scientific advances, uh, that the COVID restrictions would continue and even increase, that there would be record debt and inflation, and we would turn to athletes for political and cultural advice. She just did not think we'd see any of those things 
five years before she wrote this at the end of 2016. And you guys are both saying on pretty much each one of these so far, how could you not have foreseen these things? Right? Yep. Okay. Let's continue with number eight. Never thought she'd see a president's mental abilities doubted. President Biden misspeaks regularly to the point that many commentators doubt he's really the one running the country. She's got this one right. Well, I agree that she's got this one right. And at the right before we set to record this, we saw corporate media come out with a poll that showed a majority of Americans didn't believe President Biden had the mental capability and capacity to be president and wasn't competent. And an even larger percentage of independents said that. And five years ago, at the end of 2016, or five years ago from when she wrote this, at the end of 2016, she just could not have foreseen that we would have a president who is openly demonstrating signs of dementia in the White House. So, Aaron, you think she's right about this one. I'll let you go first this time. In the, in the way that she's, I mean, you know, there's any time there's a Republican president, there's going to be a large group of people. Well, really, any president, there's going to be people who say, oh, he's really all there. The way that she's talking about it, though, I would have never guessed, really, even as far gone as I thought we were in 2015, 2016, I would have never guessed that the American people would have looked at uh, a literal corpse and said, yeah, I want that. I, I want that guy. I want that corpse. That's my corpse. That's that's the corpse that really is going to get us. That's the adult. That's, that's my the, team. That's, that's my the, corpse. That's the adult corpse in the room right there. <laughs> I in what am I talking about with a, with a corpse? Look at Biden. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be d- dismissive or pejorative here at all. You know, I've had family friends, grandparents, older folks that I know who the last couple of years of their life and and really when they're on death's doorstep, you see the light leave their eyes at least a little bit. Hmm. They're just not, it's just clear that they're just, just living. They're just, just living. They're not all, that's Biden. That's Biden. I mean, it's sad. It really is. It's sad that his family, for whatever reason, would not just allow him just go hang out, go hang out in Delaware, go live your life, you know, enjoy something other than this. Um, but the light has left his eyes and he's, he's just, he is really not there. It's not that he's not all there. He's just not there. Um, so I would have never guessed even five years ago that the American people would have said, that's my corpse. Todd. Yeah. I mean, from the perspective of choosing him to be president, absolutely. Obviously, you know, Ronald Reagan, uh, was starting to lose his fastball at the end of his tenure, but that Ronald Reagan at the end was more lucid than Joe Biden at the beginning uh, he makes he makes his, he looks like Aristotle yeah, compared to this Joe Biden. On this show, all of us were in various levels of disbelief about his, you know, veracity as a candidate while he was running and before he was necromanced. You guys remember those first couple of times we broached that subject on this show? Yeah. 
during the Democratic primary in the 2020 cycle, and we were probably amongst the first uh, to to bring it out in the open. Yeah. And I mean, at first I felt pretty bad about talking about it. On the other hand, though, kind of uh, important. It's kind of important. You know, they're they're trying to get this guy elected president of the United States, so I think his mental state mm-hmm. is kind of important. And and it's it's only deteriorated since then and become more obvious. So I think at that point you're out of you're you're out of sympathy because it's clear that that you're being deceived that that there is no level of mental capacity that he could demonstrate at this point. Um, the most recent State of the Union speech that he had given at the time of recording this was just a international embarrassment. I mean, to the point that his VP, who herself is. Um, and of course, by the time you guys watch these, these people might all be gone. We don't know. Okay. But his VP herself, Kamala Harris, who's a total and complete clown, is mouthing words behind him over his shoulder to correct with his own misstatements and what he is speaking. Um, and I think I, I used a word with him talking about Biden's mental state. And I made the point before that in the in the long course of the American presidency, we have had we've had people that were corrupt. We've had people that were statesmen. We've had people that were disappointments. We've had people that have, you know, exceeded our expectations. We've had people that were decent. We've had people that were indecent. We've had people that were effective. We've had people that were incompetent. But I can't think of a single example of feebleness being projected from the American presidency. Now, in fairness, you know, in a time period where Zachary Taylor goes from a general to spending too much time outside, given a State of the Union in the wintertime, and he's dead in a week or whatever the hell it was, you know, we didn't have social media and those sorts of things, as you know, but I mean, mass media was in its nascent stages during FDR's reign. I mean, they wouldn't show him in a wheelchair if they could avoid it, right? Until the very end of his administration when he was on death's door, because we didn't want to project feebleness or weakness. Weakness is even worse than feebleness. I'm sorry, feebleness is even worse than weakness. Weakness is, I, I don't have the, the balls to do something. I don't have the courage or conviction or the smarts to do something. Feebleness is, I could not do it even if I wanted to. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I'm, I'm, I'm that past my prime. I, I, I cannot do it. And you can say a lot of things about Joe Biden as a politician prior to this presidential term. Hmm. Feeble would not be one of them. Okay. Feeble is not one of them. All right. So this is not, he is not a shrinking violet. This is a guy that frankly would have benefited a lot more in his career by talking less, by, by, by running to a microphone first fewer times, right? Feeble is not his thing, but that happens to the best of us, particularly when we start pushing 80, and it's very clear that it's happened to him. Yep. One of our brand new partners here at the show, Tyga Coolers. Spring and summer is here, at least it says so on the calendar, in a lot of places, particularly here in flyover country. Temperatures don't feel like it yet, but before you know it, it will be cooler season, and you're not going to get a cooler cooler than what they do over at Tyga Coolers. They made uh, personalized ones for me and Todd and Aaron, and they are unbelievable and they keep your food and drinks really cool all spring and summer long if you want to get something customized for you for a loved one for a client they make great gifts as well all right you can do that right now when you go to taigacoolers.com that's t-a-i-t as in tom 
T-A-I-G-A, T-A-I-G-A for TaigaCoolers.com. Get ready right now to live the cooler life this spring and summer with our friends at Taiga, T-A-I-G-A, coolers.com. Any further thoughts on this one? Nope. All right. So that's one we all agree. She's incredibly, or she's right on the money. We would not have guessed that. Number seven, parents labeled as terrorists. Parents were labeled domestic terrorists by the Biden Justice Department for showing up at school board meetings with complaints. Schools aren't telling parents what they teach and politicians are denying the obvious. Young children are being taught using public funds and institutions that their country is racist. Is she right about this one? I think she is as well. Now, this is coming from a bias that I grew up in homeschool and you know, rural Iowa. So, you know, the school board scene and, and the teacher's scene is not really my scene, or at least it wasn't growing up. But, guys, there are numerous grade schools who are where the, where the most left-wing universities were 10 years ago in terms of gender ideology and and race theory. If the grade schools are there, where are the teachers and board members? Hmm. Um, I would have not imagined that five years ago. I, I feel like this is, um, it's just, it's tough to put a finger on it. It's like you couldn't make this up. That's That's the level of craziness that we're talking about here. You could not make this up, yet it really did happen. As many times as Merrick Garland tried to say, uh, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. It really did happen. I would have not, I would have never guessed. Maybe, maybe if you were just throwing stuff against the wall to see what stuck back in 2015 or 16, I would have, I, you know, may, maybe this would have come out, but it's, it's hard to even fathom that this actually happened. Listen, I have some unique perspectives, but I got to disagree. I was a reporter. I covered a lot of school board meetings. And uh, yeah, five years ago, the horse had already left the barn on a lot of this. I covered school board meetings 10 to 15 years ago where there were teachers. And I remember vividly one teacher who just flat out said on a, a, and it was a curriculum issue, said, yeah, we want parents to be involved, but there's a limit. This has, this has been brewing for a very, very long time. So again, I've got to disagree. You have a perspective, both covering these and being a parent at them, that I can't question. But I'm still going to disagree and side with Aaron, but probably not for the reason you might think. I, I think in late 2016 because that's our marker here, right? She wrote this in late 2021. And so this is things that have happened in, 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 those, in that five-year window. So if you're watching this at the end of 2022, sometime in 2023, sometime in 2024, the marker laid down here, here is from the five years prior to when she published this, so December of 2021. Go back to 2016. And the reason I'm going to say that she's right about it is that I could not have foreseen that parents would actually be this willing to take on their school boards. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. To me, to me, that's the ang- to me, that's the angle here. 
it, it's just it, it, the idea that parents would even get this would would finally be driven to practice this kind of oversight to get this involved and if there is any silver lining at all to covid stan or perhaps it's more the law of unintended consequences that the 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 trade-off of having of sending all the kids home and keeping all the parents at home and the healthy at home and we're going to do everything on zoom and everything virtual with school is it absolutely forced legions of parents for the first time like maybe ever to have to seriously and critically evaluate what their kids were being taught that it was just so in their face now they that parents just could not continue treating this as a pre-subsidized daycare program for kids that have aged out of a preschool one and 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 now having their noses rubbed in it They were forced to confront, how did we get here that my kid's being taught he's automatically racist because he's white? How did we get here? Well, did they start there? Is that where, is that where this stuff started? They started with everybody no. that's white is automatically racist. No. They didn't start there, did they? No. no, they started in other places, didn't they? Yes. And so they took a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more after that. Year after year, semester after semester, but too many of us call ourselves parents. We could not be bothered, so we didn't do anything about it. Now suddenly we're home for several months. The kids are at home. I, I'm not going anywhere. They can't go anywhere. They're doing school at home. I now I am forced for the first time to confront the filth that they're really trying to fill my child's mind up with. And lo and behold, that that spawns and prompts action, right? Mm-hmm. But what if what if I'd have forced myself to confront this years before this moment? Would it have ever gotten to this point? I would say no. Right. And so, what do you guys' take on that? That that I agree that this is something we could not have foreseen five years ago, because five years ago we would not have foreseen yeah. that parents would have actually given a damn, at least not at this level. I agree with all that. I, I, absolutely. I'm just saying, if if you know anything about the the NEA and the teachers unions five years ago, you had to know that this sure. was possible sooner That's, or later. That's my point. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I've been calling him Satan's youth ministry the whole time you've ever been listening to this show, <laughs> yeah. right, Aaron? Yep. Do you ever recall when, you, you know, tuning in as a homeschool kid, not hearing me call him the Satan's youth ministry on the radio? Correct. I just can't, I couldn't imagine the political misstep or the political hubris that it takes, though, to pen the words domestic terrorist and attach them to, to, to parents, especially when, when the main example of this so-called domestic terrorism was a dude who was detained at a school board meeting because a dude wearing a dress raped his, anally raped his daughter in a bathroom. I cannot imagine the political yeah. calculus that it took. To be able to do that. All right, so we made it about halfway through this list in the first hour. We'll get to the second half of it next hour, and then we'll take a look at, in summation, what it all means. When we return on this special evergreen edition of the Steve Day Show. Stay tuned. You're listening to Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.
lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. All right, back with hour two of a special evergreen edition of the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast, except this one isn't live and probably not that much in demand because we rarely are. But we thank the few, the proud, those of you actually tuning in, nevertheless. Uh, Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the show. D-E-A-C-E, we think maybe, who knows, by the time you're watching this, we might still be on Facebook, uh, Parler, Gab, um, MeWe, maybe still on Twitter, at Steve Day Show, at Getter as well, probably on Trump's new truth show, social by that time, but we don't know. That's the beauty of an evergreen, uh, is zany hijinks in between when we run this and when we actually did it can certainly ensue. Uh, what can definitely ensue, though, regardless of the timing, is that you please leave us a five-star review if you are a podcast listener. Thanks to all of you that have done that. I'm told you have done something to help the show grow. I don't know what that is. I really don't. But we're appreciative of it nevertheless because the overlords here at The Blaze, they like seeing those numbers go up. They like seeing that subscribe and follow number go up as well. So please keep doing that and thank you to all of you. All right, folks, before we continue on, have you ever wondered how Big Tech knows so much about you? Well, here's three little words, free email services. When you click accept on those terms and conditions, you are giving that free email provider the go-ahead to scan and analyze your email, and they are data hoarders. That's why you want to switch to start mail, because you want to be done letting Big Big Tech make billions by selling the information in your email. They keep your email private at start mail, period. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't have encryption. And when you delete an email with start mail, it's gone forever. They also have their own servers, so they cannot be put out of business. And there's so much more, but hey, take control of your privacy right now before it's too late. Get 50% off your first year, 50% off your first year when you go to start with a T, startmail.com slash Steve, startmail.com slash Steve. So for today's Evergreen, we're talking about a piece that was written in December of 2021 over at The Federalist by one of their editors over there on 13 things and events that she would have never guessed would have happened five years ago or late 2016, all right? And so just to recap this list, uh, she would have never guessed the U.S. would lose its lead uh, in science and technology in the world, to which we responded, what is even science after what we've endured here the last few years, right? Um, she would have never guessed that we have become so divided as a society that major scientific advances would not be celebrated, to which we responded, your main example of that was a jab that didn't work. We cannot prove actually saved any lives, and um, but we can prove has caused an inordinate amount of adverse side effects, correct? Correct. And therefore, when you have such an untrustworthy product, mistrust breeds divisiveness and dis- and. and Division, correct? And yes. so that one, we probably should have seen that one coming. Uh, that COVID restrictions would have continued and somewhat increased. Uh, I can see why five years earlier you would not have foreseen we'd live in a medical apartheid society. I think mm-hmm. that was the one that you gave yes. her. Yeah. Uh, and that number 10, the record debt and inflation. I'm kind of sympathetic. We've seen record inflation and record debt. We haven't seen record debt with record inflation before. But you guys gave her no quarter on this because you hate women. Yep. Probably. Probably. Okay. And grandma. And grandma, of course. Uh, and then, and, oh, and you're pro-Putin. 
And that, number nine, she would have never guessed that asking athletes for commentary and advice uh, on real life and social issues would have happened. To which I'm like, hey, 2016, five years before you wrote this, is when Colin Kaepernick kind of broke the seal on that. So, you know, when you're starting off with, hey, we're going to venerate a guy that wrote God, hey, our, our cops, uh, our pigs on his on his shoes. Maybe mm-hmm. you should have figured we were probably going downhill from that point. Maybe I was too, okay. like, definitely such dumb athletes. But we've been asking, you know, Billie Jean King is still alive, but... Martina Navratilova. They've been for, around yes. for a long time, but, yeah. you know, Billie Jean King, you can disagree with her, but, like... No, she, she's not dumb. She's not dumb. Yeah. She's, she, she's a serious person. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. And so is Martina for that nature. Those are serious yeah. people. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, number eight, that a president's mental abilities would be legitimately doubted. She's, we, we all agreed. Yeah. She's correct about that one. All right. And then where we left off last hour, she would have never guessed five years prior that parents would be labeled terrorists uh, by a president's justice department just for showing up at school boards. You, with your background covering school boards and now um, forcing your school board to cower, uh, have a bit of a more cynical edge. Aaron and I both agreed we would not have foreseen this five years ago. Although my reason for it was a little bit different because I would not even would not have even foreseen five years ago that parents, something could have happened that would actually prompt parents to get this involved in their kids' school boards for a change, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's kind of the first half of this exercise. Any thoughts before we move on to the second half? I'm hoping for better. That's what I'm hoping, hoping for. Hoping for more prescient, you mean? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, which, mean, which means better which because means better. we yeah. need, our side needs to be more prescient. Uh, the reason we're not is uh, because we're not, we get too comfortable and think we're just doing business as usual. And we need to be able to see, well, I mean, heck, and back then it would be useful to look five years ahead. We, right now, it's hard to tell what's going to happen five months from now. I think Todd's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think Todd, and, and to a little bit lesser degree myself, um, our overall sentiment on this list so far is Voldemort when he returns in uh, in the Goblet of Fire and there's Lucius Malfoy and um, and Voldemort confronts his Death Eaters and said, not one of you tried to find me. And Lucius said, well, my lord, if there was a, uh, a whisper of your whereabouts and uh, I think Todd and I's response is his response to Lucius who says... Uh, there were whispers, my slippery friend, uh, and more than something or another. Essentially saying uh, there was tons of – the writing was on the wall. There were tons of signs that you could have seen these events coming mm-hmm. to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't you do anything about it? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to number six. She says she would not have foreseen between 2016 and 2021 this kind of widespread censorship were – a president of the United States and now former one is banned from major platforms uh, where big tech, uh, which is where most information is shared and received and given in our culture today, censors debate on the most important topics of the day. We're at the point now comedians get canceled for making jokes that in 2016, she would have never guessed that by the end of 2021, this is where we would be. Disagree. You disagree. Aaron, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. The university campuses were rife with this already. Mm. By, well, well, by by 2016. Shouting people down, trying to cancel their speeches, trying to disrupt events. Um, 
the canary that was more than a canary in the coal mine that was uh the the walls are starting to crumble already that i i, I you could see this now if you want to say the orwellian because uh, there's censorship and then there's Orwellian, at least in my esp- well, you, estimation. Well, you're peeing in somebody's face and telling them it's raining. Yeah. Correct. Um, where there's just complete, there is there is narrative, just narrative, and then it changes this day. It's completely opposite. Uh, and what was true yesterday is now untrue today. And what was untrue yesterday is now true today. And depending on which side you took yesterday, you're now canceled. Um, you could say maybe that level of Orwellian censorship you could say uh, you could say that that was unforeseen, but I think the censorship in general that, that was pretty easy to see that was coming. Todd, you know, I'll I'll agree. Five years ago, now I remember like three years ago, three and a half years ago, uh, on a Friday uh, overtime uh, uh, on a Friday uh, roundtable on our show, where I pr- I predicted that there was going to be a a purge uh, coming up. Uh, leading leading up to the presidential election that uh, elected Biden, uh, what size of that purge was going to be, I, I didn't know, but I, I said that, that we are going to see it, and uh, I, I was definitely right about that. But five years ago, uh, n- no, not, and Aaron's it makes a fantastic point about why you could, based on what's going on on the college campuses and things like that. But this is so. It's beyond that. There is just it, it's you know political correctness, liberalism. I, I I'm so used to that, but the raw outen or open Orwellianism that Aaron is talking about that have I mean, not, and it's just it's it's so everybody can see it, it, it on a college campus. You kind of you, you you know you see through a glass darkly a little, but you don't you never quite know. Uh, what's true? Everybody's got their narratives. Everybody can see what's going on here on social media and the double standard, and they they went with it anyways. I I I that level of shamelessness, as fast as it happened, little surprising. Sure, I'll give her this. I'll I'll give it. I'll split the baby in half here. I'll, I'll give it to her in terms of the pacing, like along the lines of what you said. But I'm very sympathetic to the premise of Aaron's argument mm-hmm. because, to me, this is. This is a codicil to what we were just talking about with parents and school boards. I mean, they didn't just start teaching kids that you're racist because you're white. That was just what prompted you to act because that's when you first tuned in. This had already been going on. This grooming had already been going on. They'd already been moving, matriculating the ball down the field there, sir, in order to get to this vantage point. They did not start at such a place. Starting at such a place would have set you off many years earlier. So they started with far more subtleties in order to not set you off. You stay busy on what you want to do with your job and career and everything else. And, you know, they'll take it from there with their mm-hmm. subtleties. Now, where they were not being subtle, though, and Aaron, you touched on this, was on the campuses. And Todd, you and I are the generation that were on those campuses at the dawn of political correctness when this began. I mean, I, I remember getting into a shouting match in a History 101 class with a... With a um, basically a black supremacist teacher's assistant that had come up from Clemson University to Michigan State to teach us one semester in place of the prof who was on some writing sabbatical. I mean, I mean, this was, this was, you know, a Chuck D history lesson. It was just complete and total BS. And I called her on it. I mean, the rest of the, the class was almost all white. They're just wanting to take notes to know what do I tell me what I tell me what tell me what's on the test, man. I'm just going to take notes. I just want to get a grade and get the hell out of here and, and hit this requirement. 
And I was like, uh, no, this, this is not true. None of this is true. So this is another example of what did we think was going to happen when all those kids left the college campuses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do we think was going to happen? We've lived, you know, <laughs> we've lived under this, this fallacy or fantasy, either one, maybe both, uh, on the right, that these things would just be relegated to these blue red light districts like college campuses and then people would get out into the real world and live by winston churchill's axiom which is wrong by the way that uh if you're not a liberal before you're 40 you have no empathy and you have no if you're not a conservative after you're 40 you uh you have no money or you have no success right i mean that's just a fact that's false okay but we act as, as if that was scripture that sometime around the time they, they got married and had kids, all those kids that got worked over in colleges would realize, oh, snap, here's the real world. We got to come correct. And then what happened is they stopped getting married and they stopped having kids and they just remained perpetually adolescent. And here we are, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that um, that they parents, the idea that they just started at your school board with all white kids are racist. No, they didn't. The idea that they just started with put dudes in with the girls and let them get raped. No, they didn't. They didn't start there. They started at other places years, if not more than a decade or two ago to get to that place. Same thing happened here. This went on for years on the campuses. On the right, we did almost nothing whatsoever meaningful to confront it. And now here we are, where we essentially have a generation of cultists who cannot critically think, and a lot of them, frankly, are in the boardrooms of America, where corporations will knowingly do what won't make them money because they'd rather virtue signal and and advance a political agenda instead. At the time we were taping this, we, of course, had all-time highs in oil per barrel. Who knows what it'll be by the time you watch this? Down, up, electric, who knows? But a... um, what a big supporter of our of of me and 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 my endeavors is one of the largest is one of the more successful independent biofuel ethanol guys in the entire country and he was telling me that chevron in the midst of this massive oil crisis cuz we're out there saying drill baby drill right do you hear the oil companies saying that no don't see the oil companies running ads oil companies have lobbyists they do a few they got a few right are they up there? Are they up there lobbying Nancy Pelosi as we speak right now? Lobbying Chuck Schumer? We got a drill. They lobby in the White House. We got a drill. No. They run in commercials. We need a drill. Funny, we don't hear them running any of those kinds of ads, do we? We're saying it. They're not. Well, this buddy of mine tells me Chevron had just come in and bought one of his biggest competitors for billions with a B. Billions with a B. And he said the deal makes no, he told me the deal makes no financial sense whatsoever. None. But they just did it because their senior shareholders and their board want everybody to know that they're woke. They want woke points and that they're going green. And that's why they did it. Well, you'll go broke, go woke, you'll go broke. No, you won't. Government just bail your ass out. You're too big to fail. You're advancing the regime. You're advancing the agenda. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we can't even bring market forces to bear that that often anymore, because the agenda takes precedence over absolutely 
Everything. Where did that start? Exactly where Aaron was just talking about. Those CEOs and everything, that's our generation now. They're the ones, they were on those campuses at the dawn of political mm-hmm. correctness, spelling women, W-O-M-Y-N, in places like Madison, Wisconsin, and Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay? That's where it started. And they're in the boardrooms now. They're Wall Street now. Gordon Gecko is dead. Lee Iacocca is dead. That guy doesn't exist anymore. We should have absolutely seen it coming. Here's why we didn't. Same reason the parents didn't. Because it would have been an indictment against us to see it coming. Indeed. Hey, you know, while we're electing a bunch of useless Republicans for more tax cuts, could we maybe do something about what the hell's going on in the college classroom? The old Abraham Lincoln axiom, whoever controls the classroom in one generation will run the government in the next. Well, here we are, right? Here we are. We should have seen it coming. But we didn't because that would have convicted us of our lack of foresight and misplaced priorities as a movement in an industry. Any thoughts on that? No, that's um, that's good. I, I think education, I said it's it's sometimes hard to figure out there a lot of times because of our, our hey, an education should be uh, a, a wonderful thing, especially as a young adult in education. I mean, really, an opportunity to really figure out who you are, what your gifts and talents are. Um, and I oh, listen. I'm my daughter's going off to school next year, and she's going off as an athlete. But I dream of that uh, for her. She certainly has uh, gifts and talents. So I think that that's why we get lost in there. On the social media end, I just more. I mean, that thing. Twitter has been a rock fight from the beginning, and for Twitter to become the one that basically became the church lady and was just shushing people and sending people out of there, including in the last two years, bona fide medical experts who weren't allowed to chime in. Mm -hmm. That that part still is rather calling ivermectin a horse dewormer while the veterinarian doctor, the horse doctor that That, was at Pfizer was literally Moses with stone tablets. Yes. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. See, we don't we don't get there overnight either. We started someplace. Yes, yes yeah. we do. Number five, massive illegal immigration. Millions of immigrants have crossed illegally in the United States this year in record numbers. The Biden administration also considered paying $450,000 in reparations to illegal immigrant families separated at the border. I think she got this one right. You do. I actually do. Okay, tell us why. Because back in 2016, we, even with all the doubts that I had about Donald Trump, I figured the one thing that he would probably do is shore up border security if he won. Now, we didn't know at this, well, actually, no, late December of 2020, we he was already elected. I figured just to save face, I didn't think he would really do anything else of consequence in the rest of his agenda that he he ran on but i figured just you got to build that big beautiful wall i figured he would at least do that and get immigration under control to some degree and to see five years later it's as bad and worse than it's ever been um it's not just mexico that's that's the funny part it's like we've already emptied mexico out of all the people who want to come here it's 
it's Central America now and South yeah. America. That's that's who's coming here now. Um, so yeah, I think this one's a little a little uh, marginal for me, but I, I I'll give her that one. Todd, the Reagan amnesty happened in '86, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree. This was not a new problem, uh, and we already knew that. Uh, and this is where where corporations. Um, we're already choosing personal profit over a sense of uh, national duty on this front. This was all happened. Five, I guess that's what I keep coming back to. If she had said 10 years ago, I think a lot of our answers would be different. I just think that a lot of this was, and maybe that's because, I don't know, I was doing this job five years ago, 10 years ago, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I also have that frame of reference, but I think that's the problem I keep running into. I, th- I think this was, it was pretty obvious we were going down this road, which is why Trump came along. I mean, Trump got elected because of the border issue. Because this was a pre-existing problem. Yes. Yeah. In other words, you think she is misequating escalations, record levels of escalations of existing problems as new problems. Is that kind of what you think? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what she, honestly, I'm not sure what she's thinking anymore though. After this list though, I just, I've, I've agreed with like one and a half of these. I can agree with half of this one. Um, I'm with, I'm with you on, on, we'd already been through McCain Kennedy and, and all those amnesty fights by the time we got to 2016 and you're correct that it's those amnesty fights that gave birth to the Trump presidential campaign. Absolutely. And you know you can you can look at the that that first event he did in Arizona talking immigration when the whole pivot with his candidacy happened. Before that, he was just running to troll Jeb Bush to try to stop him from being the nominee. But when he touched on the raw nerve of of illegal immigration and saw the reaction he was getting in those first rallies that I think were held in Arizona and they're selling them out and they're adding dates and it's because of the anger, the palpable anger over this that he has, that he's touched on, that our candidate uh, Cruz had a strong record in immigration, but because of his own family's background of escaping Cuba, he was a little hesitant to kind of lead the charge of sounding like get rid of, you know, send anchor babies home and everything else. So Trump outflanked us and got and reaped the whirlwind, reaped a whirlwind of results uh, and benefits for, for doing that. So that, that, that at least suggests some form of a record pre-existing problem was there prior to the end of 2016. I, where I would agree with her is the reparations. The idea that we would, we would pay $450,000 per family as an apology for enforcing our border. Yeah. I, I can see why yeah. you wouldn't have thought at the end of 2016 it was going to be that nuts, particularly because by the end of 2016, Donald Trump had just gotten elected, right? And so you can see what's on the horizon, what his rhetoric is, what he has planned, and that in just that short, quick amount of time, we would go from uh, I'm going to build a wall to reparations for illegal aliens, I can see why you might be you might be stupefied by that. That's that's quite the about face. Fair? Yeah. Okay. Trying to sell your home at any particular time can be challenging. 
Awkward segue there. Uh, That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge of the situation, but also remembers that ultimately you are the one in charge as well. All right. Um, And where would you find such a person? Well, realestateagentsitrust.com. It'd be cool if someone decided and, you know, created a website like that. And they did. Real Estate Agents I Trust is Glenn Beck's company. And when you've got the kind of agents who work with us, working for you, you can rest assured that you're going to be in the hands of a capable team of people who will see selling your home from the day you interview them until the moment they close on the dotted line as their number one goal. Same goes if you're buying a home as well. Don't go into the market. Don't go into the market without one of these, a real estate agent you can trust, and you're going to find them, again, the name kind of says it all, at realestateagentsitrust.com. Number four, not prosecuting crime. And Eleanor writes, in many U.S. cities, serious crimes are not being prosecuted, and a crime and crime has surged, with a dozen cities breaking their annual homicide records. At the end of 2016, I, I, I mean, I agree with her on this one i agree completely to see and this goes to your philosophy steve that you put into practice at times during COVID about why you thought something resembling a return to normal would happen because as much as people were addicted to the political cult they also like hey you applied this to russia recently too they you know the the russian elites like nice things Mm -hmm. too they Mm -hmm. their lives are being upset here they want to and he to to see in you know the big cities where you know we we may not want to live there but a lot of people i used to be one of them i used to love going to chicago and visiting you know going out to the down to the lake and all of the parks and all of that stuff and the museums mm-hmm. uh and to see the city just not understand or care that these are going to become dead zones no one is going to it's going to affect tourism uh, if you just have this be a turnstile and have these, look at the sidewalks. There was just, I think in downtown Seattle, a picture that was just shown went viral on Twitter this week that in, it looked like in front of really nice buildings, but it just had become a homeless campsite just on a sidewalk in downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would have guessed. I mean, this is why Rudy Giuliani outside of nine 11, a, why a Republican, and he's a different kind of Republican, but a, as close to a Republican as you can be in and win office in New York, Republican uh, mayor of New York City, he he cleaned things up. That was his he, uh, done. We're done with this. We're done with the uh, the loitering uh, on the sidewalk. He prioritized it, and it seemed like New York at that time was thankful for it, and now it's just Oz. Yeah, flipping a coin. I, I I agree with this sentiment as well. And and to if you had told me in 2016, not only under uh, President Donald Trump, I wouldn't have believed that. Under Donald Trump's watch, that we would do jailbreak essentially, and then at the beginning of the pandemic, we would just start releasing violent offenders out of jail because of the virus. Would have said you're nuts. I would have never guessed. That I would see along the lines of what you were just describing, Aaron, I'd have never guessed I would have seen a Republican president attack in a re-election campaign, attack his Democrat rival 
on crime from the left. I, I would have, I, I mean, I just, again, given the era that you and I grew up in, man, when Republicans ran hang them high ads <laughs> every every election campaign, yeah. all right? You know I mean, fire up Sparky and let God sort mm-hmm. it out. It was a race to see what crimes we could add to the death mm-hmm. penalty when we were growing up, right? But to see Trump attack Biden from the left on three strikes and you're out? I mean, that, that's, frankly, the 1994 crime bill, which he constantly attacked Biden for as racist. I think that was the, mm-hmm. the last truly good piece of bipartisan legislation the country has seen. And that was, depending on when you're watching this, up to 30 years ago. Now, what, right? you, what you just said there is the only way you could have possibly foreseen this. If you start talking about the slippery slope, that if you keep calling enforcing the law uh, racist, and if that takes hold uh, across the board, sooner or later, you're just basically saying, of course you're not a criminal. Of course it's not fault what you did. You're this color. And that's exactly where we ended up. So that did exist five years ago. I, I, I couldn't have guessed it would have sprinted ahead to this, though. So we have three left, and I'm looking ahead, and I think she's right about all three of these, actually. Okay, good. Okay. So we will get to those, and they're kind of all variations on a theme. We'll do that here when we come back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. So that the world may know, this is Steve Dace. All right, back for the final segment today on a special evergreen edition of the Steve Dace Show with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. We have been discussing a piece that was written over at The Federalist at the end of 2021 by Eleanor Bartow. She is the features editor there. Uh, At least she was at the time we were recording this. This is an excellent piece, by the way. I mean, I know throughout the course of this conversation, uh, the three of us have been to varying degrees uh, critical or with the alternative or differing opinion. But if we didn't think this was a a thought-provoking piece overall, we would not have devoted an entire two-hour program singularly just to this, Mm -hmm. okay? So, I mean, whether we agree with her observations or analyses or not on a particular um, issue, um, there's a reason we wanted to discuss this because we think it is an important benchmark to see really how far and, and much further down the slippery slope we've gone, but then how much of that should we have foreseen ahead of time? Right. Mm-hmm. And those are worthwhile conversations as we look to the future. You know, I think we should institute a new policy around here, Aaron. I'm not entertaining anymore. Good days. Why aren't you boycotting everything like me? Sent from Android. Yes. Sent from iPhone. Yeah, I'm not. I think I'm not going to entertain that unless you can verify to me you've made the switch to Patriot Mobile. That it, that's that's. There's not a lot of things we can do nowadays to do. To not do business with people who hate us, but this is one, and we all need a mobile phone these days. Have you made the switch to Patriot Mobile? Our family finally did it last fall. 
We got the exact same coverage we got from T-Mobile for 20 years because everybody uses the same towers. But we also got fantastic customer service, upgraded our phones, and we're no longer funding directly people who hate us. So if you want to make the switch now too, all right, they've always got great deals going on. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. They'll give you even bigger sayings, savings, a way of saying thanks. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, patriotmobile.com slash Steve or 972-PATRIOT. All right, let's get to the final three of her 13 things that she would have never guessed that uh, would have happened uh, five years ago, but they happened in, in 2021. All right, number three, the drafting of women. The United States narrowly avoided a draft for women. Frankly, if it wasn't for my buddy Chip Roy, it probably would have happened. But he shamed every member of the Republican Party that was even flirting with this idea. So then the Democrats didn't have the votes. But the United States narrowly avoided a draft for women, which was supported by many elected officials in the quote-unquote conservative party. So I think that's the key thing. In 2016, at the end of 2016, I don't see how you could have possibly guessed. Disagree. That You disagree? Yeah. All right, then I'm going to let you have the floor. Go ahead, sir. I didn't mean to interrupt no, go for you, it. but it's all yours. Remember that debate, the Republican primary debate. I can't. I think it was in New Hampshire, maybe. I can't remember for sure. The question about drafting women came up. And I think maybe there was one person on this stage of, I think there were maybe 10, 11 candidates on stage. I think there was maybe like you one You know what? One I remember this people. now because I was pissed because my candidate exactly. wasn't one of them. He didn't say anything about it. You could totally it. see that happen. Yeah. And Rubio was pimping it, as I recall. Yeah. I had totally forgotten about that. That's a good poll right there. I have a question. Yeah. What's a woman? <laughs> nice. Isn't that how we began the conversation when it was about science? What is science? Do we know what it is? This is why I said, before we ever heard of COVID, I I tried so hard to make this clear. Once we believed that nonsense, we could and would believe in anything. So here we are. I had forgotten about that one kind of obscure moment in that primary debate. That's a good memory. Because barring that, I can't come up with another single piece of evidence that would have suggested that we'd have a lot of people in the conservative party pushing this. And frankly, if it weren't for Chip publicly shaming all of these people and by name, this probably would have happened. All right, number two, blocking puberty. A second shocker is that parents are enabling young children to try to change genders with dangerous surgeries and puberty blockers. Many public schools have a policy of not telling parents if their son or daughter has adopted a different gender identity at school. I mean, I've been here since the beginning of this debate when you guys first, or before you guys even came to work here, when the whole debate, I think Target was the first major corporation to have unisex bathrooms and they got boycotted by the American Family Association. But even then, that had been like 2014, 2015. Even then, we weren't even contemplating the idea that parents would castrate their kids. I mean, were we even considering that? I mean, we can get pretty dope on the dystopian tip, man, okay? When it gets to, you know, let's take these things to their most logical Mm -hmm. conclusion— were we talking about parents castrating their kids in 2016? Because I don't remember that. Um, neither do I. Um, 
When was Obergefell? Was that 2014 or 2015? Uh, Windsor was first, and then Obergefell was after, and I don't remember which year. I think it was 20... I think it was 2014. I think 2014 or 2015. Because I, I believe it was about a year later where the North Carolina bathroom stuff went down. Yeah. Um, and that would have been either 2015 mm. or 2016 then. And that's um, the crucial point. The bat to me, the bathroom stuff, Aaron. Yeah. I mean, they, what we were talking about this five years ago. We were like, really? You're just in any bathroom. It's just open season. Well, what's the difference between that and puberty block? You've just decided that nothing matters. You know, little kids I, are in those bathrooms. I think, I think the operative word here though is young children. I wouldn't have not. I would not have imagined this going down on seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven year olds, which is. Which is happening right now. I mean, as we're taping this, a video went viral this week. And if you're just watching the video, the first few seconds, it's a really, really... Um, and I know you you shared it, Todd, so you probably know yes. what I'm talking yes. about. It's a little video of a pregnancy, a positive pregnancy test, and and a pregnant woman. And it's, um, and it's this guy, he sounds with an Irish accent, just going through the life of his child. And then... Then he started playing with his uh, sister's toys, and I just I stopped watching because I'm like I just don't I don't I know where this is going, and I just I three I, I don't know four or five years old maybe something like that. I so maybe in, in terms of the young children part, I'll give it I'll give her that I'll give her that. I mean, here's a headline from the Babylon Bee just as we're taping this: Riddler stumps Batman with question, "What is a woman?" All right. Number one, men as women. The trend that most of that most would have shocked my grandparents. Now, here's the thing, though, Eleanor. This you didn't. This isn't the premise of thirteen things that happened in 2021. My grandparents would have been shocked by. These are thirteen things that you would have never believed yourself if they'd happened five years earlier. Okay. The trend that most would have shocked my grandparents is gender madness. Men are now competing with women in sports and being housed with women in prison. In 2021, President Biden appointed a man as a four-star admiral and proclaimed he was the first female four-star officer. I don't see how it is possible that you did not foresee in 2016 that we were going to end up on this one. How is not, we were already debating all the merits of the, of the premise of these arguments Already. I mean, I, I would not have guessed in 2016, as I said a minute ago, we would have made it down to parents castrating six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year-old children. Okay? But on a macro level, culturally, we were already having these conversations. I, re, I remember looking at Jen and Rebecca and saying to them at, at, at midnight, are, are, we, are we going to really go devolve to a place as a culture where the only people that still believe in protecting the gender differences and the reason why we had them are Bible-believing Christians. Like, no one else believes that anymore. Like, there is no common sense anywhere anymore. I mean, this has existed, this has been, uh, this has been upheld in pagan cultures. Long before there was a Latin Vulgate or a Council of Nicaea or Moses came from the mountain with revelation, the first revelation or God spoke to Abraham for that matter. They weren't doing this kind of stuff. 
So I don't know, how is it possible that she would not have guessed that this is where we would have gone at the end of 2016 because we were already debating all of the premises of the, of the argument that would have gotten us to this point? Thoughts? Once you, I mean, there were folks like you who as early as 2007, 8, 9, I don't, I can't remember when you started on, on political talk show. Was it 06? 06, 07, yeah. yeah. Uh, these, the, the, the conversation and the topic of gay marriage came up and your chief, chief philosophical point was that you're not redefining marriage, you're undefining gender. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a point that's almost 20 years old. Yeah, all that. Absolutely. Here's the, the part of it. I will agree with. And this, this was one of my main yo moments. And it's just because I've sat in those stands. I've experienced it directly with all kinds of parents. It's, it's when it happened in Connecticut. And the two dudes who thought they were girls in high school raced in those state championship races, beat all those girls rewrote the record book and those stands were full of clapping parents. I mean, we, we know at the egghead level and the activist level, how much they push it, but to know live in real time, that's not just, that's not just tolerating it. Mm -hmm. That is applauding it. And this goes to the heart of where are the dads um, I think that's all wrapped up into that. Um, so I, I'll, you know, listen, I'm not going to, I'll end up in uh, common purpose with her uh, on this in as much as that may have been what she meant, even though we all five years were talking about these issues and saw it coming. But the the degree to, I mean, again, my, my the, the governor, our governor, in the effort to save uh, women's sports bill, which just happened here as we're making this. And my daughter was involved in that, but her and several legislators, one thing they kept saying is that uh, I I can't believe we're even here having to do something like this. And now as we speak regularly on social media, uh, my, my daughter is being uh, told to kill herself because she's a Nazi and a bigot. Okay. So let's look at this big picture here. We got five minutes left. To me, the common theme here is we should have seen most of this coming if we would have actually taken the enemy seriously. Reach. Okay. And, and when I say the enemy, I don't mean merely the human conductors and conduits and constructs for these various demonic manifestations and ideologies. I mean, the enemy. Um, we, we should have taken the enemy seriously. We, we, what, what this articulates is the lack of a biblical worldview, a lack of the knowledge of the laws of nature and nature's God within American conservatism. That American conservatism has 
either lost its knowledge of or zeal for first things. And so it therefore assumes that so has his enemy. Hey, we're, we're totally fine watering down what we believe to get an immediate instant political outcome. So we're just going to assume everybody else is doing that. And they don't really mean this crazy rhetoric or these crazy threats. They're just, as you like to say, Todd, rhetorical flourishes. It's election year, um, you know, rhetoric. It's silliness. It's a clown show. Okay. It's not real. Okay. And it's real and it's spectacular. They mean it. Because their father, the father of lies, he means it. He means it. And we've been blinded by our own intellectual arrogance and political expediency, and now we're surrounded. Final thoughts, each of you. Well, whether we agreed or disagreed, again, that was absolutely worthy. Iron Chiprin's iron, these kind of think pieces hopefully hopefully ultimately test our intellect and our metal about five years from now. That's the point. How how are we not having the same level of lamentation and woe five years from now? That that's why we get down in the blood and the guts of this evil to make sure that we repent and we do better so that our children don't have to be yoked with this nonsense. I will readily admit the bathroom stuff and um, the tranny stuff even even five years ago. I, I thought it was real, but I thought it was overstated. Uh, on some level. On some level, I thought it was perverted, but I just thought, oh, this might just be clickbait. It's not clickbait. It's it's real. I think the lesson from all of this is um, sheep don't growl. If you hear growling, it's probably not a sheep. It's probably a wolf. Hmm. Um, when you hear when you hear inklings of hell's song, men can be women. There is no such thing as gender. There is no such thing as male and female, um, any of the pernicious lies that we, that we hear from uh, progressivism on a, on a day-to-day basis. That's growling. What do we do? Shoot the wolves, feed the sheep. That's our job. One thing that she missed, if I may end with this, one thing that she meant, missed, I would have never believed five years ago, is David French. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's how, that's a mic drop. Yes, it is. That'll preach. Those who have not learned from history are doomed to repeat it. The good news is we can't repeat this mistake. Because if we blow it the next few years, as we did these last few, there won't be an opportunity to even write columns about five-year retrospectives. We're toast. John 3.17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.